Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. It's the Cindy Adams Show, 77 WABC. Stratus Morfogan may be one of the most interesting or fiercest or at least less terrified or best connected, smartest guys you can meet. He owns and has owned top restaurants like Philippe, Julan Club, Brooklyn Chop House. That's at the moment. Hey, Strat, when did you open your first restaurant? Where was it? Uh, I was actually at Gotham Diner uh, after I left my family business in 1991. I opened Gotham Diner on the Upper East Side in Manhattan. And then from there, I probably opened another 40 restaurants in my 35-year career. <laughs> why, why did you go from restaurant to restaurant when they were so successful? Um, different reasons. Demolition clauses. Um, uh, I sold them. Um, properties were sold. Uh, downturn in the economy. Okay. There was a lot of different reasons, but I. Um, but where I am today, you know, the journey. You know, I kind of wrote this journey in my new book, "Be a Disruptor," and basically all through my life, I've always been creating new versions of a classic, like of a classic restaurant brand. I've always like twisted it and created my version of that, and and that's that's you know that's how I got to where I am today. Your book will talk about the Be a Disruptor. Tell me about your first, you've written about this, your story with your first experience with the mob and how they tried to shake you down. Is, is, it, does that still exist to some degree? No, it's gone. I mean, in our industry, we say pre-Giuliani, post-Giuliani. Pre-Giuliani was the Wild West, where it didn't matter. I had to choose um, the mob's choice for garbage, produce, yeah. Yeah. Meats, fish, um, and then if you had a very successful business, you'd get a knock on the door, and you'd have to pay an alcohol tax to the mob for protection, or they would break your windows, or or break the legs of your managers like they did to mine. You know, they beat up my managers until I until I was supposed to give them five, six, seven thousand dollars a month. And like you know, the article came out recently in the Post where I said, "Go f themselves," and that's what I said to guys like John Gotti Jr. I had no fear, and I wasn't going to succumb to being shaken down. And these guys ruled the whole Upper East Side to Midtown. If you had a successful business with alcohol, they were going to knock on your door. And if you didn't pay, they'd break your windows every week. And that was pre-Giuliani. Today, it doesn't exist. I mean, they're still out there, but they're all, you know, now that you've legalized gambling and cannabis, and, you know, they don't have any more businesses left. <laughs> They're also living in Yonkers, and they're living upstate, and they're in the Hamptons. They're looking, they're looking like they're classy, but they're not. I mean, I know, I know some of these people. But yeah, they, 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 they've learned to be low key because they realize that being loud and boisterous usually gives them a one way ticket into prison or the this, morgue. I I don't understand. I know you've read, written about it, and you'll tell about it. But how was it that you, as a young man, we're not terrified. We're not scared when they were going to break your, your manager's legs or they were going to hit you if you didn't do what they wanted. Tell me how that well, works, that you had that guts. 
Well, the three biggest judges in New York were my aunts and uncles. Well, that helps. Supreme Court of Queens, Supreme Court, and Appellate Court of of New York State. Okay. So that was like what I had in my back pocket at first that gave me the the guts to tell them to go F off. But what happened was I didn't think the FBI and all that could do anything for me because, I, you know, they weren't afraid of the FBI in 1988 to 1994. And with that, um, uh, you know, I very naturally and organically became very good friends. They were my customers first of the, of the boss and the underboss of the Genovese family. And they were customers. They came in. They paid. They were very low-key. Low we became friends first. And they saw me cleaning up black paint and broken glass uh, constantly at Gotham Diner. And one day they said, what's going on here? What's happening? And I said, well, John Gotti Jr. and his bunch of thugs that hang around with them are trying to shake me down, and I'm not, I'm not giving in. And it was very quickly done by Ralph Coppola, who was the underboss of the Genovese family, he said, sit tight. And literally two days later, he said, go to Ferrier Restaurant on 65th and Madison and be there at 11 o'clock. And I knew that was a big Gambino hangout where yeah. all the capos used to sit in the back. So I got there, and I was there with, a guy named Bucky Carbone and Ralph Coppola. Oh, I know Ralph those simply, names, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and Ralph Coppola simply said, um, listen, this Greek is around us. He's my nephew. That was the first time I ever heard that. And he goes, <laughs> tell Junior to stay away from him. And if he doesn't, he better come correct because this is going to escalate. And, and the guys on the other side of the table, which were all big capos of the Gambinos, they were actually really nice. They were like, listen, we like this kid. We know this kid. We're going to squash this, Ralph. We don't worry about it. We did, you know, I'm sure they didn't know they were, he was around you guys. So don't worry about it. This is going to be squashed. And lo and behold, it was squashed. You know, and then uh, the, from there on, I became really untouchable from all the thugs. Joey, my husband, you know, was a, the, was a comedian, and he worked in yeah. all the nightclubs. In those days, these are the guys who owned these nightclubs. One day, yeah. I had a whole cache of jewelry that was stolen, all of it. And Joey made one phone call. I don't know to whom. It <laughs> all was returned the next day. So yeah, I don't know how it all circle. works, but it worked. No, it's a very tight-knit circle. Um, and, and I, I got to tell you, uh, this started with me early on when I was six years old. My first lesson was from Carlo Gambino. I mean, I was a busboy at, at my dad's Chelsea Chop House in Howard Beach. And he would be there two nights a week with his friends. And I saw the way my father treated him, and I heard the name for the first time. And here comes a chubby six-year-old busboy saying, hey, hi, Mr. Gambino, good evening. You know, and here's a guy <laughs> that went out of his way to be discreet. And, and here's a six-year-old busboy that knows his name. And, you know, he put $20 in my pocket, and he said, come here, kid. How's school? I said, school's good. And he goes, hi is good enough. And that was my first lesson, lesson in discretion. And, um, you know, I, and I remember when I was six years old at the Moby Dick, I used to actually serve you and your husband. <laughs> I remember. Where are you now? Where can we go? Where can I go for dinner now? Where do you have a uh, restaurant? So, yeah. So Brooklyn Shop House is uh, we just opened 25,000 feet in Times Square. Yeah. Uh, right on two, uh, 247 West uh, 47th Street. Yeah. I'm sorry, 253 West 47th Street. And that's basically what I've done because I used to be I used to own Chinese restaurants for 17 years, including Philippe Chow. Oh, so yes. Why, 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 why did you leave that? Why? That was a great restaurant. Oh, I, 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 I didn't agree with the new partners that came in. And I get really down into it with my book. And I, was, I, I founded it in 2005 and I sold it in 2014 under duress. <laughs> I got so these it. Guys were, these guys were 
the Wharton MBA crook. <laughs> but Philippe had a French name, and it was Chinese food. I'm not sure yeah. I understood that, but it was great. Why was it a French yeah. name? Well, that was the chef's name. And, <laughs> and actually, it was called Filippo Chow. And I didn't think Filippo was really good on the palate. So it was Philippe Chow. And um, after I left there, I took my chef from there, and I opened up Brooklyn Shop House, which is the marriage of my two favorite cuisines, Chinese food and American steakhouse, where both cultures stay true to each other. Like when you get a steak, you're comparing it to the top 10 steakhouses in New York. Newsweek gave us best steakhouse in New York, actually. And then it's married around Chinese, which is really cool. Because when you go to a chop house, you know, it's cream of spinach, baked potato, and a piece of fish and parsley. Now it's salt and pepper lobster, ginger garlic lobster, Peking duck with that beautiful 35-day dry-aged porterhouse. You're very smart. Why did they nickname you the Golden Greek? Because <laughs> I made them a lot of money. So what happened after that, I became very close with the Genovese's. And they had a lawyer named Patty Sisso. And their lawyer, when I w opened my nightclub, Rouge Nightclub on 54th Street, um, I went to him for funding. And he wrote me a check for 600 grand. And basically, I opened and I built out the old Jimmy Westons, which I turned into Rouge Nightclub, in June 94. And I knew where, you know, I, of course I knew that the money probably came from the Genovese. But all I knew is that he paid me a check, and the check uh, was from his law firm. And, a $600,000, uh, you know, wait a minute, oh, oh. a $600,000 check made out to you from a law firm? Yeah, from well, from his 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 account. Yes. And how how did you get the money? What in quarters and dimes? How do you get no, six hundred thousand no, dollars? I got I got it in a check from Patty Sisto Esquire. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you tell me. Okay, tell me about the book. Be a disruptor. Tell us. Tell us. So basically, you know, I read. Uh, my favorite things to do is read documentaries and biographies, and every time I read business books. It's starting to get boring where everything is supplied by the same analytics. You hear the analytics over and over on why you succeed and why you fail. What I thought was missing was, you know, backing up failure and success and backing it up with true stories. And then discussing the journey of being an entrepreneur, restaurateur, small business owner in the streets of New York City from the late 80s to current time. You know, in the beginning, we had to deal with all the gangsters. Excuse me. Then we dealt with the MBA types, like, you know, because all of a sudden, every CEO of a Fortune 100 company wanted yeah. to be a restaurateur. Yeah. Uh -huh. So there was a large investment in restaurants. So I became partners with those guys. They became crooks. And that was Philippe Chow at the end. Yes. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then, and then if you compete with what we were doing with the politicians these last two and a half years, you know, you, restaurateurs have always had huge obstacles in trying to be successful. There's no other city like New York, but I got to tell you, doing business in New York has always been challenging, and nothing more <laughs> where during COVID is what they did to us by shutting down our businesses. It never stops. We're always a target. Well, everybody in Albany is on parole, so I, I already know this group, but tell me about restaurants today. Do you believe that it's proper for them to be having dinner out in the road where it's engulfing roaches and, and mice for the people who are living next door? Well, I, I think this is the, um, you know, this, this is what happens when you shut down an economy, right? They yeah. shut down an economy without even following the science. 
Then Comrade Cuomo came out with some data that 74% of the spread is home gathering and only 1.5% of the spread are restaurants. But all he kept doing was driving people out of restaurants and driving them into their homes. And nothing screamed that louder than New Year's Eve a year and a half ago when they shut down New Year's Eve at 10 o'clock at night. So we could watch de Blasio and, and his wife dance on an empty Times Square. Well, I got to tell you, Cindy, our, our, our delivery business was thriving. We weren't sending romantic dinners for two to apartments. We were sending platters of food for 20, 30, 40 people into two-bedroom apartments. So if that was truly the data, that 74% of the spread were home gatherings, why in hell are we pushing them into home gatherings and not bringing them to restaurants where restaurants is where they're safest? None of this made sense. So tell me in one sentence or less, what should restaurants do today? Well, you know, there is a lot of silver linings. It's very hard to do it in one sentence, but okay, we, take we a paragraph. signed the Go. two biggest leases. Uh, the two biggest leases in New York City, we signed them. Um, and these were deals that, you know, restaurants handed in the keys that cost $14, $15, $20 million to build out. And, you know, we, we were taking restaurants for pennies on the dollar in May and September of 2020. That never would have happened if the pandemic didn't happen. So are we going to continue to have restaurants? We can't get food. We can't get waiters. We can't get people to work. We can't get people to go into the restaurants in some cases. What is going to happen to the industry? Well, when I was jumping up and down when they shut down the economy, I said all of this. Oh, I said all of this was going to happen on my social media. I said two years ago, I said all of the, the supply chains are going to break. Inflation is going to go through the roof. Diesel is going to go through the roof, which makes delivery driving you know, from your vendors much more expensive. I said all of this is going to happen, plus all the other things that come with shutting down an economy where they don't know how to flatten the curve for depression, alcoholism, drug addiction, mental illness, and crime. Crime is connected to all of this. I know. And, I know. and I've had many conversations with Mayor Adams. And, you know, oh, why? Why talk to okay. him at all? Why talk to him at all? He doesn't know anything. Yeah. Well, I got to tell you, I mean, like he said it, and I kind of agree. It took eight years to screw it up. It's going to take a little while to fix it. But I, I told him recently the time is now because I'm opening my Greek restaurant in Greenwich Village. Um, and basically I can't open because McDougal Street has been taken over by criminals and drug dealers. So there was a big expose on it in the New York Post last week. Yeah, I know. I can't open my restaurant because of this. So now all the police now are jumping up and down and saying, okay, we were here to help. So usually, you know what, power to the press. That's what us small business owners need. We need voices like yourself to try to level the playing field and make this fair because it's been very unfair for our industry for years, I know especially that. the last two and a half I know years. that. The trouble with you, Stratus, is you're too boring to talk to. That's the problem. You never have anything to say. Uh, tell I me no where I can go, and I'm going to go to your restaurant, and I'm going to, I hope you'll pick up the check, and I'm going in any case, even if you don't. Okay? Of course. I love you, and thank yeah, you for Brooklyn, talking Brooklyn to me, Brooklyn Shop sweetie. House is at 253 West 47th, <laughs> and then we have another one at 150 Nassau Street down by the Brooklyn Bridge. I'm going. I'll see you soon. Thank you, lovey. Thanks, Stratus. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much. 
This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com. 